Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In this episode we'll be reading and discussing chapters four to five of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So grab your favourite alcoholic drink and read along with us because this episode, I have to admit, we are quite tipsy. It gets messy. Please grab alcohol. I'm so drunk. Let's start off with chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys. Charlie, why have you curled up in a tiny ball? I'm cold and you're, I'm tired. You're cold. Is my fat too cold for you? It is. So, let's be honest, listeners, we are batch filming episodes. So we are drinking the same things as in the last episode. And I am absolutely sloshed. <laughs> Great. Okay, that's probably because it took us like five drinks to film the last episode because we kept getting distracted. Um, and you're also cold. I'm really sorry about my flat. I'm wrapped in a blanket right now. The chapter opens at the exact same place the last one closed with a knocking on the door and Vernon runs in holding a rifle. So I have an immediate question. How the fuck did he get a gun? How the fuck did he get a gun? It's the UK. It's the UK. We we wrote the exact same notes about this. It would be more believable if he had a shank. (laughs) So for context, for anyone that doesn't live in England, it's near impossible to get a gun in England. Like I have no idea Uh, how I'd go about that. It depends what kind of gun. Yeah, like an actual gun. Yeah, no, you don't have hope in hell, but like you can get like an air rifle. So maybe it means an air rifle. And maybe it means an air rifle. My, yeah. Like my dad's got a hold of like an air rifle. Like it's pretty easy. Yeah, and I know people with real guns who have licenses for real guns for work reasons, but the laws on that are incredibly yeah. strict. And also, it's interpreted as in some random seaside town. Where do you buy a gun in Ransom Seaside Town? Like, you don't go to, like... Bognor Regis. I don't think they sell guns in Bognor Regis, Charlie. Oh, Han. Have you been? No. Y- you could buy anything in Bognor Regis. Reg- <laughs> you are you so drunk. Like, your eyes uh, are slightly gone. I've... I, yeah. I, 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 I have disclosed this. Okay. Um, I just want to ask where he got the gun, because I feel like this is where J.K. Rowling okay. was like, he's got a gun. I'm like, nobody has a gun in Okay, knowledge. I think we're safe to assume he's either in Bognor Regis or Blackpool. Offensive but like oh my god, we're gonna offend all this. So Hagrid knocks down the door and asks for a cup of tea straight away, and I just wanna say Hagrid is me. Depends where I am. If it's in London, I don't want a cuppa. Why? Oh you don't like the water. I don't like the water. Charlie's way, she doesn't like the water. But Hagrid is me, asking for a cup of tea straight away. And um he's also shown up at midnight. Why? Why? Why midnight? Is it just the drama? I feel like Hogwarts loves the drama. Like, first they're like, oh, we'll put letters in eggs. And then they're like, we'll send Hagrid at midnight. That would yeah. be hilarious. Yeah, like, it's 100% about the drama. I live for the drama. It's I'm all such a drama, attention-seeking whore. The dry drama. And then he says, can I have something stronger than tea? So this just confirms, on top of asking for tea, Hagrid is me because, you know, low-key, al- low-key functioning alcoholic. Yeah, he wants a tea, but, like, Irish. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, can I have something stronger? Hagrid is me. Hagrid is all of us. And actually, as we go on, I will talk about hints into Hagrid's alcoholism and J.K. Rowling's kind of interpretation oh, of alcoholism. Don't ruin my childhood. Sorry. So uh, Hagrid realises Harry hasn't been told anything at all. And he kind of slowly realises this because of Dumbledore's kind of 
not having foresight into the Dursleys, refusing to tell him anything. And um, Hagrid says Harry doesn't know anything. And Harry says, <laughs> I can do some stuff like maths. And it might be Same. the most precious thing that Harry has ever said. I and he's can like, do some things. I can do some things. I know maths and things. It's so precious. Oh, oh. Harry, my dear sweet child. I just yeah. love him so much. He's so precious. But like, you would be offended if someone was like, turned up and was just like, oh, they don't know anything about nothing or whatever. Yeah, and you'd be like, uh, uh, I can do English. Yeah, I once learned. Um, some fractions and stuff. Yeah, arithmetic. Um, and then we have... Okay, so you know in the films, it's yeah. one of the most quoted lines, Harry. Uh, what? You're wow. a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. It, yeah. In the books, did you realise when you reread it, it's different? Yeah, but it's also, like, they don't actually say, I'm your father, Luke, or whatever it is. No, I know. It's Harry... You're a wizard. Don't say you know. I know you haven't watched Star Wars. I know, but I know the line is different. Yeah, so it's not the same, allegedly. Yeah, um, but it's the same moment. It's this kind of pop culture thing that we all know it as. You're a wizard, Harry. You're Ari. a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. Okay, we need to stop. But the line is, <laughs> Harry, you're a wizard. Yeah. Hagrid doesn't have a Scottish or Irish accent, so I don't know why both of us are doing bad interpretations of those accents. I don't know. Okay, the next question I have is, is this the first time the word wizard has been said? Because before this... It has. It is, okay. Because yeah. the narrator has just been calling them, like, strange people. This might be the most strange person that's ever been on Prisit Drive. This what? might be the most bizarre person. And then, like, okay. I find it really kind of poignant that the first time the word wizard has been said is Hagrid going, you're a wizard, Harry. And yeah, like, it's no longer just some, like, weird, funky shit going on. It's like, you're a wizard. Yeah, like... I always say this book is a slow build and then it kind of just like starts dropping things in and then just bam, like you get to Diagon Alley, it's like magic, magic, magic. But like, I feel like we learn as Harry does. Because, Which is amazing, yeah. Yeah, like this goes into a point that I'll make, make later on. Mm. But Harry, when he knows that they have to get tested to find out what house they're in and he presumes that it may be pulling a bunny out of a hat. Yeah. Harry literally goes to Hogwarts and this is something I was thinking about he he goes to okay I should save a lot of this for later but he goes to Hogwarts literally still on page page zero he knows nothing about wizardry mm. for all he knows he could be training to be a wizard at kids parties yeah he's one of he thinks he'll have to pull a rabbit out of a hat it's so yeah. like stereotypical magic yeah, you know, you're right. And yeah, it, I just love the fact of the fact that she doesn't say wizard when Dumbledore appears. Yeah. Things like that. Um, she saves it until this line. <laughs> so then Petunia tells the story about Lily. And then at this point, Hagrid refuses to say Voldemort's name. Now, I don't know if he's refusing to say it at this point. I might have written my notes wrong, but I've written, do you believe people are afraid to say the name because at some point a taboo was used? So obviously what I'm saying by this line is we know that a taboo was used um, during later Voldemort's on. reign yeah. later on. And we know that people are terrified to say Voldemort's name because of some unknown reason. But is that reason because a taboo was used during Voldemort's first stint of power? I genuinely, I've never thought about this before. Oh, haven't you? Okay, I find this really interesting. Now that I think about it, I would be inclined to think yes. I think I've always, without thinking about it, assumed no, because they're so surprised later on when they find out about it, when Ron comes back and they don't know. But, but then, is that because they weren't even yeah. born when the first was Wall was Yeah, happening? and even if they were, Harry and Hermione 
weren't in that world, so they would have no idea. Yeah. But I guess even Ron, who maybe would have an idea, seems surprised. So I think maybe, yeah, because I think it's it's not said and therefore it's implied that it's just like, oh, he was a scary dude. Yeah. However, I, like, it's not like they call Grindelwald he who must be not be named. Yeah, my interpretation is that this taboo that they put on in, uh, in book seven was actually put on in the first... Kind of, not the first Wizarding World, yeah. but the, when when Voldemort was first powerful, because why else would people be scared of a name? Like, I do understand that, you know, people are scared of saying certain words because they're maybe offensive, but I don't understand being scared of a word yeah. because that man is scary. So I think, I think I'm inclined to think that perhaps originally it was a taboo because I don't see any other reason why people would be scared to say the name, given that they're not scared to say Grindelwald and that we aren't inclined to say anything else aside from Hitler. Mm -hmm. As we know, you know, J.K. Rowling, all about the metaphors. All about metaphors. But we say Hitler, so why wouldn't she say Voldemort? I'm inclined to believe that it must therefore be a taboo. The reason I'm not inclined is because I think that we're given a really good reason that later on mm. uh, in the seventh book that it comes back as a taboo. And we see that there's like a massive amount of cover-up and censorship. And I think that it's extended as a taboo as a result of this. Yeah. That Voldemort sees that anyone talking about the fact that he's back, he wants to cover up, even though everyone knows that he's back. But he's trying to put like a faux Minister of Magic in. Exactly. So it's kind of like an extension of that. I just, I don't know, maybe we're missing some cultural thing that isn't explained in the books, but I don't see any other reason that unless perhaps it originally was a taboo that people would be scared to say the name. Yeah, and we'll definitely come back to this when the taboo comes back in book seven, if we ever get to that point, or if we if we die of alcohol poisoning, you know, we I might not. I was about to say that. Yeah, our livers might give out <laughs> at that point. <laughs> um, okay, so Hagrid explains that Voldemort killed Harry's parents and tried to kill him but couldn't. Um, Hagrid then says that Voldemort doesn't have enough... He doesn't believe... Voldemort has enough human left in him to die. And this is a really early clue to the end of the book. It's like, yeah. So I was just like, whoa. Hagrid is spot on. Hagrid is spot and, on. And, and, and Hagrid has a. I, I really don't want to sound offended at this point, but Hagrid is a relatively uneducated person. Yeah. Views it as Voldemort does not have enough human left in him to die, but Hagrid is spot on. Yeah, like Hagrid's on. always displayed to have a very like simplistic view on things, but he is. Spot on. Yeah. I have a point later on about more that he's spot on about. I also have two notes before this. I oh, no, realized. please go. Sorry, I No, no, no. They're both points. incredibly insignificant. I just didn't realise if we were before. Sorry, this is, the, this is the problem with us not confirming notes before because we want to surprise each other with our final yeah, points. Yeah, exactly. But, like, these are insignificant, so it's fine. But So one of my points was that Hagrid says the line, you've got your mo mother's eyes, and it's the first time that line is said. Ah, interesting. It's the first time Harry's ever had him compared to his parents. And it's interesting that by book six, Harry is sick of hearing this line yeah. because as I'm not an orphan so therefore I am giving a very simplistic interpretation to this but I can imagine if I was an orphan and I'd never know my parents I would never get sick of hearing the words yeah. you have your mother's eyes but Harry is described as getting sick of that line I just and find that interesting yeah but I think it, it, it eventually ties into he gets sick of it and essentially after all, it's so associated with Snape. 
Oh, but at that point, he has no idea about Snape. Because he's described as being sick of it by about book five, book six. No, but in in terms of how we remember it. Okay, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. But maybe it's also that he wants to be remembered as his own person. Maybe that's why. We'll we'll discuss it later on. Yeah, and then my other note is like such a silly, insignificant thing, but... So you know how Hagrid says that he's the keeper of the keys at Hogwarts? Yeah. Does that job not sound like... Like Dumbledore just made it up on the spot. Like he just wanted to keep. I mean, it there. Uh, you are the. Uh, um, uh, 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 you can keep the keys. Yeah, you know the keys. Yeah. You need to keep. So them. um, yeah, I'm, no, I'm gonna give you a job. I'm just um, and he's like <laughs> looking around for things and he's patting his pockets and then he finds his keys and he's like, uh, you can keep my keys and uh, here's your salary for doing that. And I feel um, like in a really non-offensive way, this really reminds me of uh, so me and Charlie both working quite um, corporate, relatively corporate industries. And as much as people might think, oh, you're given a higher job when you work hard, sometimes companies just move shit around and stuff needs to happen. And it sounds like sometimes that people pull job titles out, out of, of their ass. Yes. Okay, yes. Um, and I've heard this happen before, and you've heard this happen before. So this line, like what you just said of pulling the line of keeper of the keys out his ass, just yeah. is, is precisely right. Yeah, like definitely tomorrow at work, we're going to get in and they're going to be like, so this person's been promoted to keeper of the keys. And it's just because there's been a reshuffle. Yeah, like, what keys? What keys? Yeah. And they're like, this person's been promoted to manager of this, and I'm like, this isn't a thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it is now. Yeah. Because it is now. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Hagrid is so on point with this. Voldemort doesn't have enough human in left and die. And this makes yeah. me really... So we've discussed this in the last episode, in in the first episode, and we'll discuss this a lot more going forward. J.K. Rowling planned a lot, but there was also a lot, there was also bits that she kind of flew off the seat of her pants. <laughs> what? Flew off the seat of her pants? I've never heard that before. Okay. Is that a saying? I'm frankly too drunk. Something off the seat of her pants is a, but flew, I, oh, shh, shh, shh. Sh. Okay. Hang on. Basically, what I was saying was that Jane Rowling planned a lot of this, planned a lot of the books, but there are definitely certain points where she had to make it up on the spot. But the whole kind of concept of Voldemort keeping bits of himself in separate things, and I'm, yeah. I'm not saying she thought of Horcruxes, but keeping bits of himself. I I thoroughly believe she did things. I I don't believe she thought of the word Horcruxes. Maybe not the word, I think the concept. The concept of kind of memories in things, she definitely thought of. And I, this, not enough human left in him to die, I think confirms my theory. Yeah. theory. I'm, I'm not saying that she knew that they would be called Horcruxes, but mm. I thoroughly, thoroughly believe that she knew the entire overarching plot re-Horcruxes when she wrote the first book. I believe that she didn't think they would become as important as she they were. I don't believe she thought of like, oh, there'll be seven and Harry will be the secret eighth. No, sorry. I, I think she thought, I want to keep him alive because he's got these kind of objects which have got a bit of himself in and therefore it keeps yeah. him alive. And then she was kind of like, oh, wait, what if Harry was part of that? I don't know because I have, I'm pretty sure I've read interviews where she said that she wrote parts of the last book 
Oh, she did. She spent seven years planning. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think she might not have had like the technical language of Horcruxes down, but I do believe that she knew mm. overall. Like things like Horcruxes big enough, the small details about where the the foreshadowing to certain things. Oh yeah, no, no. that but I, I think, doubt. But like the overarching plot, like this, I believe was planned. Yeah, and I think Hagrid's line here saying "not enough human left in the die" really shows that. Yeah. So then I move on to the fact that Hagrid really targets Dudley in this chapter and he kind of like obviously he causes in the pigtail and from my interpretation all that Hagrid's seen of Dudley is that he tries to eat Harry's cake and Hagrid hasn't yeah. witnessed Dudley bullying Harry all he's witnessed is mm -hmm. this family yeah he's witnessed this fat child he's witnessed this fat child eating cake and by the way like, at this point, I don't care if Dudley's fat, but Dudley's had a packet of crisps and a banana to eat for dinner. Yeah. So, therefore, Dudley he is hungry. Dudley is hungry. Let Dudley eat cake. Let Dudley eat cake. But Hagrid gives him yeah. a pigtail because Vernon makes him angry. Now, give Vernon a pigtail. Vernon's a horrible person. I don't care. Like, but Hagrid targets Dudley. Yeah, and Hagrid is seen fatphobic. Or just... He hasn't seen... He's seen Vernon bullying Harry, but he hasn't seen Dudley bullying yeah. Harry. And no, I think he, it's he, really unfair. He's given him a pigtail because he's like, that boy's fat, I'm turning him into a pig. Yeah, and rereading like, this, I'm like, at this point, Dudley's done nothing wrong. Dudley's hungry. Yeah, like, the, yeah, like I love Hagrid. He is one of my favourite characters. Oh, 100%. I think he's so pure. And he's not given enough credit at the end of the book to how pure he and wonderful not. he is. Uh, he has his flaws, but overall he is so pure. And oh, I think that this is more down to J.K. Rowling's bad writing than my actual genuine interpretation of what fits into the character. Mm. I think this was written from a J.K.'s point of view well, where, well, the reader knows that he deserves it. Um, Hagrid doesn't. Hagrid yeah. doesn't. Hagrid doesn't. So Hagrid is being... And also, not only is Doug scared and hungry at this point his dad has had like this flip turn he's been taken to this shack this man has entered he hasn't been given enough food and not only that at the same time Harry's finding out he's had this secret get from him Dudley's finding out too yeah and I feel really sorry for Dudley in this chapter because yeah Harry is finding out all this stuff that was kept from him but Dudley was never told any of this either yeah. so Dudley obviously has all these inbuilt prejudices against Harry but he was always told that all this stuff, that Harry was just, like, a loser and had, like, drunken parents who, like, died in a car crash and whatever. But Dudley wasn't given the full information. And he's suddenly finding all this out from a stranger. And then he's punished for eating yeah. some cake. And I'm sorry, like, as an adult, I just find it really unfair against Dudley. It's really horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, Dudley. yeah no wonder he ends up so prejudiced when his first meeting with a wizard is being cursed and punished because he's fat which when you're 11 years old it's not it's your, your fault. parents fault yeah yeah exactly and yeah he's scared of wizards for the rest of the books with good reason this yeah. is a traumatic his, experience if i could be wrong i think his next interaction with wizards is with fred and george yeah like dudley actually coming to the realization he comes into in book seven which we will discuss in detail when it comes it's fucking amazing. Yeah, though. basically. It's based on what he actually yeah. interprets as wizard behaviour. Yeah, like, I stand Dudley. Yeah, Dudley's actually... 
Dudley was raised in a horrible environment and actually comes to a really good realisation at the end yeah. of book seven. And I really appreciate Dudley as a yeah. character. And I really resent, I think J.K. Rowling, unless I'm wrong, has spoken out in the past that she considered giving Dudley a wizard child. So she was so close to writing a wizard child and, and last minute decided against. And I think that we can speak about this later on. Mm. Um, in the books but I think that that would have added a lot really I have a point I want to make please do how did Harry not end up as an Obscurus oh this is a really interesting point oh we're gonna go full into Obscurus's yeah so do you believe obviously in the interpretation that Ari Ariana oh without a doubt oh yeah 100% Ariana yeah no it's not Ariana it's Ariane Ariane uh, or Ariana am I just thinking of Ariana Grande okay. yeah so I yeah I, I fully buy into the theory that Dumbledore's sister was an obscurus. Yeah. Um, I think that we have enough evidence that by this point, J.K. Rowling would have built that world out enough to know that this was a thing. Yeah, and at this um, point, I don't see it as a theory. I see it as J.K. Rowling is waiting to confirm. Yeah. But it is a basically confirmed Yeah, I think that the text that we have in the original books, uh, compared to what we later then learn about an obscurus, mm. is enough to confirm that she definitely was. So... If I was to give an interpretation of why Harry is an Obscurus, it's because... Isn't, you mean. Isn't an Obscurus, sorry. It's because magic was never mentioned as an actual thing. So, essentially, um, he was never punished for actual magic. He was punished for asking questions and for oddness or uniqueness. And he never interpreted anything he did as magic. Um, this is kind of skirting around the point, I do yeah. realise that, but the Dursleys made a point to never mention, sorry I dropped a pen there, um, the Dursleys made a point to never mention magic, so it's not like he's turning his magic but, inwards. unless I'm wrong, he's not allowed to mention magic, and they freak out whenever he does. No, but... <laughs> He never actually mentioned magic before that. He mentions things like dreams, and mm. they don't like him... Flying. Flying motorbikes. Flying motorbikes, dreams, things like that. Yeah. But, okay, so this this is an interesting fanfic that I would like to read. So... Ooh, I know this, Okay, say. this is something that I could picture happening. So, obviously, when they... When Harry is told that he's a wizard, uh, Vernon is instantly like, no, I'm not letting him go, he's not going. So let's say that the Dursleys straight up was like, no, Harry's not going. Mm. Dumbledore, he could do something about this, but if he does, he would break the magic that protects Harry. So by forcing him to go to Hogwarts and therefore leaving the, uh, the protection, the of, protection Petunia. of Petunia and by moving out and, you know, wherever he would go on to stay, mm -hmm. would be breaking that protective magic that mm -hmm. then would leave Harry vulnerable. So Dumbledore would either be left to leave him not knowing magic and be vulnerable in that respect mm -hmm. or to take him away from that protection. If he left him under the guidance of the Dursleys, would he become an Obscurus? And would this potential knowledge affect Dumbledore's decision? Yeah. Um, if we are to believe that Ariane Ariana is an Obscurus, then Dumbledore already knows about Obscuruses in general. Yeah. So he knows the risk of leaving Harry with the Dursleys, but he also knows that he also knows that Petunia's protection is paramount. Yeah. He knows that that is the most important thing. I think he kind of knows that it doesn't matter. I think in his head, he's like, it doesn't matter if Harry's abused. It doesn't matter if Harry's Ooh. bullied. 
I know, I know, but... But we know that Dumbledore is shady as fuck. He's shady. He, he thinks, well, if Harry's emotionally abused, that's fine, as long as oh. he's protected. Fine. As long as he's protected by blood magic. I'm not saying this personally, I'm saying this was yeah. in Dumbledore's interpretation. Maybe not fine, but like... But the Obscurus point is a good point, because Dumbledore must have known that as a risk. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, say say they were like, no, he's straight up not going. Either he leaves our house forever and goes to Hogwarts, mm. so he's never coming back. Mm. Or if he stays, there's no magic. And then Dumbledore would know that he could potentially become an Obscurus. Mm. Because we know at this point, not from his... Uh, relationship with his sister but also his experience that is now being delved into with the Fantastic Beasts series mm. he knows that about Obscurus mm. yeah. and the risk and I personally view that if this were to happen Harry would have become an Obscurus yeah uh, so I oh, I just wish I could ask JK what Dumbledore would have done would he have taken him away from Petunia's protection, protection or let him become an Obscurus or let him become an Obscurus uh, potentially Potentially. I believe he would have taken him away from Petunia's protection. Because yeah. he knows how horrible Obscurus is. And, and he, he would not let that happen to someone else after watching Ariana. Yeah. So, moving on chapter to... Five. Chapter 5. Diagon Alley. So, immediately the chapter starts off exactly where it left off, just like the last one does. And Harry wakes up and pays for an owl for the newspaper. Which I just kind of love. Like, he's sleeping under Hagrid's cloak and then he has to pay for this owl with a nut. Yeah. And it's it's just kind of weird and I, I like it. Um, then they had to London they head to London, but Harry asks, how did Hagrid get there originally? And Hagrid said he flew. What does he mean? Did, did he find I think on the motorbike? Ah, so I said this. Does he mean the motorbike? If he means the motorbike, where's the motorbike? Mate, if it can fly, I think it can, like, fly itself back to wherever Hagrid wants it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because Hagrid can't ride a broom because they don't make brooms big enough. He says yeah. that in one book. So but don't they take the boat back, or did I imagine that? Yeah, they take the boat back. So uh, this is my next point. Um. So number one, when Hagrid says he flew, what does he mean, where's the motorbike? Number two, Hagrid took the boat back. What do the Dursleys then do? Hagrid's fucked. taken the only boat... Is he leaving them to die on this rock? Yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, he's basically giving them a death sentence. Mm. Unless he sends the boat back with magic, but is Hagrid that good at magic? I mean, potentially he sends it back, but like realistically, like someone knew that they were going out there, they would come check on them. Yeah, but it's just or like kind of, it's just kind phones. of not much foresight of Hagrid. It's only the nineties. There's no phones in that shack, Charlie. You don't know that. There's no phone line in that shack. Okay, well, like, we know they didn't die. And they don't have mobile phones in 1991. We know they didn't die. I know they didn't, but There's I'm just potentially kind of like... flares or something. But I'm just going to, like, Hagrid, could you... I know you hate the Dursleys at this point, but could you at least Not leave them Not leave them for dead. Yeah, please don't leave them for dead. So um, they kind of go from this random seaside town to Diagon Alley. I don't know how they get there. Tubes and trains, public yeah. transport. So the first place they head is Gringotts. And I just wrote in my notes, I fucking love the dragon foreshadowing to book seven. Um, so basically the paragraph says, you'd be mad to try to rob Gringotts. Um, I've heard there's dragons in there. And yeah. I think when Jacob Rowling wrote this, she had no idea when someone would try to rob Gringotts. But she knew at some point she wanted to write a chapter about it because yeah. it's so... Hagrid mentions it over and over again. You'd be mad to try to rob it. You'd be mad to try to rob it. And in book seven, 
how he chose to rob it. Yeah, but like this is where I wrote about how much foreshadowing Hagrid does. Yes! So he says, only safer place than Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. So they rob Gringotts before they rob Hogwarts. Do you mean Hog in the Philosopher's Stone, Voldemort? No, 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 in the last one. In the last one. So, you know, they take the Hogwarts, Hogwarts oh, from Gringotts and then they take it from Hogwarts. Hogwarts is the last place. So it's the only place, the only place safer than Gringotts is Hogwarts. Hogwarts. That's, that's brilliant. I didn't actually read that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he says you'd be mad to try and rob it. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. And yeah, it's it's, I it, wrote it's one of the first rules about the Wizarding World Harry ever learns, and he breaks it. And I just love it. I just love the yeah. foreshadowing. But like, if anyone's uh, watched the show um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they always do a thing where they kind of like have a setup, and then someone will say something like, "Oh, this can't go wrong," and then on the screen it's like black with white writing, and then it's like, "This goes wrong." This goes wrong. And I feel like. If it's there was a Harry Potter equivalent, it would be like, come. you'd be mad to try and rob it. And then it'd be like, seven years later. No, no, no. Then it would just be like, Harry tries to rob Gringotts. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the last one is not human enough to die. So in this like, you know, two chapter span, Hagrid makes three comments mm. that later come true. Yeah. And it's just, it's just fantastic. Um, I also wanted to talk about um Hagrid's kind of, uh, physicality and things like that. So obviously he's physically huge and describes quite like terrifyingly huge. He's a big boy. He's he's <laughs> overly. I wrote he's overly masculine in appearance with his beard and his hair and his size. Um, and then there's then there's all these fantastic traditional feminine qualities that he portrays. So he bakes cakes. He knits. Um, he wears a flowery apron. He carries a pink umbrella. And uh, uh, later in the books, we'll come across all the more things. But in the first book, it specifically says he's knitting something yellow. And it's just these... He, he portrays these traditional feminine qualities whilst displaying these traditional masculine portrayals of his physicality. And it's just such a lovely kind of... I don't know the word... Is antonym the right word? I'm too drunk to work out if antonym is the right word. I don't know. It's such a lovely... Opposites. I'm going to say the word opposites. Um, like, I'm not saying that's like a perfect way to describe gender, but I really love that Hagrid is described as physically masculinely terrifying, but femininely kind of lovely. If this was the only example in the entire Harry Potter books of a character defying gender norms, mm. I would love it. However, unfortunately, it's not. And mm. this is the only remotely positive example. We can go into it later. Yes, definitely. But the later examples that are given of a character defend, uh, defying their gender norms oh. are incredibly toxic. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. But toxic. Hagrid throughout the books, from one to seven, are displayed as positive, yeah. which is amazing. And she keeps it up throughout the books, which I just kind of love. But yeah, she like there are negative ones later on, but... I, I just kind of love it, but you're right, there are definitely negative ones later on which we'll discuss. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question. Yeah, of course. Are you as desperate as I am, and I'm sorry if this is a Pottermore thing, but are you as desperate as I am to know about more about Ollivander's backstory, particularly in a dark way? Ooh, a dark way? Why a dark yeah, way? Because he's creepy as fuck. Oh, he is creepy. He's so creepy. He remembers way too much. Yeah, he's so creepy and so many hints at like darkness and as well I feel like I don't know this is entirely an assumption but when I kind of think about uh wand creation as like an industry it seems like the kind of thing that 
to me could be incredibly dark mm, okay. um, and incredibly questionable in its methods. Mm. And I think we have so many hints to Ollivander being dark and creepy and kind of like in between. Oh, he's definitely in between. Uh, like he's very immoral. Like I don't think he's dark. He's just like... Um, he's fascinated he's by very... magic. He's fascinated by power and magic. And You know what he is? What? He's very for the greater good. Do you and, think? Yeah, and I but I think for him, for the greater good is like the creation of wands. Uh so But I, he never supported Voldemort when he was taken hostage. But he did he oppose him as such? He refused I mean, if to make if you're taken hostage by someone you're not, you're never gonna be best friends with them. No, I guess not. Uh he also did not tell him anything. Um, and then I feel like he's just very, very like fascinated. And I can imagine as well, just like something about the entire wand industry and how historically it is. And we learn a lot later on. Mm. I'm slurring massively. Uh, but we learn a lot later on about, you know, only wizards being able to have wands and other creatures wanting to have wands. Mm. Um, and it, it it just it just seems like the kind of industry that would be very immoral and whitewashy. Yeah, um, I I actually have a note later on about wands, but I had a few notes before this before we get to Ollivander. Okay, okay, but I will come back to Ollivander. So I'm gonna rush through my points oh, really quickly. So they go into the Leaky Cauldron. They meet Professor Quirrell. Um, Harry's um, no, sorry, Hagrid says Quirrell is scared of his students and his subject, which implies that. Quirrell has been in the job before, but it's explicitly said in later books that since Voldemort cursed the job, they can only keep a defence against the Dark Arts teacher for a year. So why does Hagrid already know about Quirrell? Yeah, it's no. a plot hole. It's a huge, it's a huge plot, plot, hole. plot hole. Like, there's no getting around it. I have tried many times to work my way around it. There is no getting around it. No, it's a plot hole. I think we can move on. Okay, great. It's a huge plot hole. I just wanted to point that out. Um... So then I wrote, oh, he's reading through his book list and um, I just wanted to quickly say Transfiguration book is written by a guy called like Emmerich Switch and the Herbology, Herbology book is written by a, somebody with the surname Spore. I genuinely was a bit too invested in these related surnames. Like, imagine if you were born with some last name that like meant something. Like, imagine if your last name was like Herbology but you were really passionate about charms. I knew a guy once whose surname was Circuit and he was an electrician. Wow. I know. So they go into Gringotts and Harry is asking the difference between a stalagmite and stalactite. And again, I wrote, <laughs> Harry is so damn pure. And then I wrote, uh, I vividly, vividly remember the conversation asking my mum, what's a stalagmite and what's a stalactite? Hannah. Yeah. You. What are either of those? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't bicycle. know what either of those are. So, my mum taught me that stalactites are the ones that hang down because if you hold tights, tights hang down. I feel like that's a false equivalency. <laughs> Let's move on. Basically, Harry's pure. So, uh, at this point, we go into Harry's vault. And I wrote, is it a plot convenience that Harry's rich? Because why else is um, it necessary? I guess it... Yeah. Like, why else is it necessary? It's just like, you know, if, if Harry was having to work, like, a summer job, it would kind of just add a... Or if he was poor and Ron was poor, it would be a bit much. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a plot convenience. Which sounds rude when I'm saying it's a bit much, but it is a plot convenience, but then, isn't like, it? But it's so that he can get around things. Yeah, yeah. basically. So then we go into Madame Malkin's and Harry meets Malfoy. And Malfoy is the first of-age wizard we meet. So the same age as Harry. And literally the arrogance dripping off this kid is stunning. It's like, wow. But like, it's you know when you meet someone and you have a conversation. Mm. It's not a conversation. They've just talked at you for like 10 minutes. And, and that's Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah. But he does make an effort to talk to Harry. Like, he's the kind of person who's like, oh, I'll talk to this person. No. He don't. He makes an effort to talk at Harry. At Harry, yes. Not to Harry. At, at Harry. Harry. But he definitely like wants to get to know people no. in a way that he wants to be popular and he wants them to love him. No, no, no. He doesn't want to get to know people. He wants people to get to know him. That's what I mean. Like yeah. he wants people to love him, so he's trying to find people to love him. Love me, Daddy. Love me, love me. So then we leave Madame Malkin. At this point, I noted down that there's already, by chapter four, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of references to Hagrid drinking. <laughs> so there's a reference to Harry, uh, Hagrid asking for something stronger in his tea. There's then a reference to Hagrid having to go to the leaky... There's then a reference to uh, Tom the Marvin saying Hagrid's usual. There's then a reference to you're drinking a lot, I'll say this, to um, Hagrid having to go get something strong because he didn't like the cart ride. Um, um, and then Malfoy says he knows Hagrid because isn't he the guy who sometimes gets drunk in the grounds and sets his cabin on fire? Okay, and but what I've noticed is throughout the books, and we will keep talking about this because I've noticed it as a point, there is multiple references of Hagrid's heavy drinking. However... Mm. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just want it as a topic yeah. of discussion. Oh, no. But, like, and, you know, I don't agree with all, what I'm about to say. Mm. However, until Draco actually says, get drunk and sets fire to his cabin, mm. something stronger could just mean stronger coffee. I mean, yeah, technically. Yeah, I mean, it's heavily implied. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it means alcohol. Um, but to a child, it could just be like, oh, yeah, coffee. But the thing is, like... I. Like, I don't know if you had a similar childhood to me, and, like, don't get me wrong, one of my parents' drinking was healthy and social. Mm. Like, that never seemed like a weird thing to me. Like, my parents drunk, and they would get drunk, and it was not a issue. Oh, no, exactly the same. So I grew up with parents that very much enjoyed social drinking, but, and very much yeah. enjoyed drinking in the house, but it was never However, a problem. But I, I yeah. grew up with these jokes about alcohol and I, I make jokes about alcohol we are making a drunken podcast clearly we are very like perceptive to alcohol uh i am sober i'm not that's a lie um, i lied i just wanted to bring this up as a point because i it's another thing i only realized as an adult um and it, it's definitely something that i know comes up later in the book so we will keep talking about it and i just wanted to kind of put a pin in it as something we will talk about later because J.K. Rowling never puts a lens on it as it's bad. Yeah. But it's... Hagrid is the yeah. only person that she talks about alcohol... Or one of the only people that she talks about alcohol through. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think it's something to be discussed with him later. The only things that he ever does wrong um, are always phrased as like, Hagrid being Hagrid and blah, blah, blah. He can't keep a cigarette. Yeah, that's alcohol. Yeah, he can't that keep is, a secret because he gets drunk in a pub. Yeah, that is alcohol. But he definitely, I mean, I, I can't say I blame him. No, definitely not. all that he's been through. Um, but it's definitely like interesting reason. And like, you know, we have our reading as this, as the two of us. Mm. 
um, whose parents both drink and drink like a healthy amount mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to a different person. This could have a very, very different reading. That's why I noted it down because yeah. to different people, this could have quite a negative interpretation. Definitely. So I wanted us to bring it up later on. Um, then I wrote down that, that Hagrid um, buys Harry an owl. He doesn't buy Harry a cat because he's allergic, which is just hilarious. I don't know why. He's just like, I don't like cats, so you can't You have will one. spend time with me. Yeah. You will spend time with me, therefore you can't have a cat. Me. Um, so he gets like, Hedwig, not cats. goes to Ollivander's, you brought up your points about Ollivander earlier, and I wrote down, is the one subsidised by the government? Because they don't cost much in comparison to the other things Harry mentions. They cost like, as I remember, seven galleons, which if we were to believe that is five English pounds, that's about 35 pounds. If yeah. you think that's a wand that does everything for you, that is not a lot of money. It, I don't know. So therefore, are they subsidised by the government? Uh, I would say yeah, but yeah. that's based purely on... I don't know. Like, just by the fact of how much unicorn hair costs, and like how much all these materials cost, and then how cheap a wand is, and how much work must go into a wand... They don't cost much, so therefore yeah. I'm I'm led to believe that the government heavily subsidises. Yeah, and, and it's if you're a British person, I guess it's like healthcare. You can't do without it. Exactly. Therefore, exactly. you have to have it. Yeah. So you're paying seven. I, he pays like oh, it's seven or eleven gallons or something like that. Yeah. So you're imagine paying... if you got into Hogwarts and your parents can afford a one. Exactly. So you're paying. They they set it at enough that most parents can just about afford. Yeah. But it's it's enough that people can just about afford it. However, I don't think it's subsidised. Okay. I think it's bad writing. Oh, yeah. I also think... Like, uh, that's another interpretation of mine. Uh, J.K. Rowling is so bad at numbers. So bad at numbers. Like, at some point later in the books, she mentions that a textbook is 30 galleons. And I'm like, dude, please reread your own numbers that you've yeah. written down. Yeah. So, I, I, I... Yeah. I fully believe she's a... Didn't do math. Yeah. Um, and then it says at the end of the chapter that Harry blinked and Hagrid was gone. Uh, Hagrid, Hagrid can't disapparate. He doesn't And he's to... also very large, so it's not like he can yeah, like disappear. Smoke um, bomb and Yeah. And uh he can't um disapparate. But wait, do we know that he can't disapparate? He never learned. And he doesn't have a fully fledged wand. But he he still has bits of his wand, and Harry disapparates before he got his license. No, he sidelong apparates. No, he apparates back with Dumbledore, back to the tower before no, Harry got his license. Yeah, but Harry got kicked out in year three. I think it's a plot hole. Maybe Harry was also drunk at this point. Harry was just like, oh my god, all the magic. I'm just they were doing shots. Woo! Shots in the leaky shots, cauldron. Shots, shots. Okay, guys, so after two chapters, we are going to have to cut it off here because, again, we have spoken for nearly an hour. Who is still listening at this point? Yep. Um, we need to speed up when we talk about stuff, but hopefully you guys are finding it interesting. I hope you're all suffering. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. You can also follow us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine to read our terrible social commentary on life. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.